<clears throat> Everybody's clearing their throat now. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us this morning. I pray that you would uh, be with me, and I pray that you would uh, just speak through me. Um, just you know, despite uh, despite me, Lord, I pray that you would um, you know move beyond what I'm able. Um, that your word would be uh, present today, that folks would hear from you, that your spirit would move, um, that you would touch the hearts of your people, and that, Lord, at the, end of, at the end of this morning, that we would just be able to say that we worshiped you and we're in your presence and we know you more. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, this has been a very uh, busy and strenuous couple of weeks. Um, we, had, uh, we had a lot going on, um, but those of y'all who don't know, like we, uh, well, everybody knows, we, we uh, had a, a funeral service yesterday for Jeff Tyler, and um, there's a lot that kind of, um, as I was preparing for that, and I, w- I was preparing the sermon, all of this stuff kind of gelled, and so we're going to be, uh, hopefully I'm going to do this justice, um, so if you if you feel like I'm kind of kind of going off the rails here, pray for me a little bit, and hopefully I can I can manage this. Um, I, uh, I I noticed something. Gosh, what's today? Sunday, so this would be Friday. Um, Friday morning, I I got up. Uh, I get up early every day, um, and I think I got up at like 3:30 on Friday morning, and I I got out of bed and I had my coffee and I I walked to the gym and the sun was not up. Um, and I noticed something in in the darkness of town um, because it was November first. Naturally, what did I notice? No, Christmas lights. <laughs> um, I I noticed that that several of my neighbors had apparently waited until trick or treating had ended, gone out in the snow, and decorated their homes with Christmas lights. <laughs> they were not. And one was a tree wrapped in light rope. That's Kent Johnson across the street, if you don't believe me. And he had a little projector projecting Christmassy stuff on the side of his house. like Because apparently Christmas begins. And actually, to give credit, Walmart started Christmas two weeks ago. So <laughs> we are there. And so as I, as I was walking home today, I, I walked in. Uh, I walked into the house, and the first thing I did, I said, Honey, it's the first week in November. You know what that means. And I, I started playing the Christmas music. And <laughs> I don't even, I, I'm not a Christmas in November person until now when I discovered that. My wife does not like Christmas music in November, and now I am all about it. Um, <laughs> um, but as I was thinking about this, and, and I got a reason for talking about this, you know, and, and we'll get there. Like, it, it, um, it, it is early, right? Um, but there are folks who are in the zone already. They are putting their lights up. And again, November 1st, it was snowing and people had their lights up. And, and folks I knew had already changed all of their Facebook stuff to Christmas and they were already getting ready to bake cookies and, and planning and everything else. And, and like all of this, um, all of this preparation, all of this starting point with the eye on the day is coming, right? The day is coming. It will get here. And it is really early. Like, there's no doubt. There's no exaggeration. Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet, right? Like, like, like we, are, we are not there. But 
as I was thinking about it, as I was doing um, doing Jeff's service yesterday, as I was as I was um, reviewing sermon materials, um, what Peter is talking about in the text at this point, he is talking about Jesus coming back, right? And and the church at the time is dealing with this crazy heresy. They were probably Greek Epicureans. We talked about this a little bit. These were people who believed that gods had no influence on the world, and so you should do whatever you want because it doesn't matter. And they were like bringing all of this crazy like like drinking and excess and like sexual license and everything else into the church and kind of kind of uprooting the fellowship and creating all this chaos. And they were telling people over and over again, Jesus is not coming back. Jesus is not coming back. And Peter, throughout his letters, is saying, hey, don't fool yourself. Don't let these people talk you out of it. The truth is that Christ is returning. The truth is that Christ said he was coming back, and he is coming back. The day is coming when God will show up, and he will hit the reset button, when he will reset the creation, when he will draw his people to him, when all things will be made new. I mean, this is a day that is coming. And Peter's instruction over and over again in this letter, and we talked about this last week. This sermon is online. If, you, if you're a glutton for punishment, you go back and listen to it. Um, he says over and over again, Remember, 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 remember. Keep your eyes on it. Don't forget, remember, there is a time limit, right? There is a time limit. I saw a great comic um, quite a few times, actually, in the last year. Oh, man, summer, summer got here, and I forgot to work out and lose weight to be ready for the beach. You know, and so I just got to start on next year. You know, like we, we sometimes we know there's a day coming, and we, don't, and we know we got to prepare it happened to me a lot in college. Oh, it's test day. I know test day is coming. And then at 3 o'clock in the morning, the morning of, I'd suddenly remember, oh, I got a test here in a few hours. I better start reading the book. Um, you know, or I better start writing that paper. I better start. Like it, it, Peter's telling them, be ready and remember because the day is coming. The fact of the matter is, as crazy as the people who are doing Christmas music already are, they're not going to be the ones who on Christmas Eve are standing in line at Walmart trying to buy stuff, right? Because they're knocking all that stuff out. They get their eye on the day, and they're preparing. They're putting up their lights, and they're doing all their stuff, and they're going to walk into the, the day of ready. And, and part of what I want to talk about here is, and as we look at this part of Peter, we're going to be going through 8 to 13. There's a couple more weeks left in this, in this book. Um, but what we're going to be talking about is the reality that the Lord is coming back, and we need to be ready, Right? And so as we start, <clears throat> thank you. I have water for that. Let me. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now, Peter's quoting a psalm here, right? Because like um, in the last little section, he's saying the scoffers are saying, these, these people who are mocking the faith, are saying, Jesus isn't coming back because he hasn't come back yet. It's been like 30 years. Where is he? He's not coming. He's not coming. He's not coming. And man, it's been like 2,000 years now. I mean, we're, we're pretty far beyond it. Like, he's coming back, um, but he ain't hurrying, right? He's moving at his own pace. And so Peter is talking about these scoffers, and he turns, he says, but don't forget this. God doesn't deal with time the way we deal with it, right? A, a day is like a 1,000 years is actually a line from a psalm. And it's a psalm that talks about God's eternality, like how God is big and huge and eternal. And actually being eternal, like God is, and this is going to get real deep real quick. I'm going to try and do the short version of it. Um, God, um, God created 
everything. So time and space and like the laws of physics and everything. God created all of it. And so when we talk about a thousand years is like a day, the idea here is God can... It's a little like I read comic books. Y'all are familiar with the concept. It's, you know, um, God can open to the middle of the book if he feels like it. He can open to the end. He can open to the beginning. He can read it backwards if he wants. He can read the whole thing instantly, simultaneously. Time is not a concept that God is, like, subject to because he created it and God exists outside of time. Um, and so to say that a day is like a thousand years it's is to say... God is not subject to this, right? Like, he knows it all, and he experiences it all in the moment, um, as he sees fit, because he is God, because he is amazing. Now, as it relates to us, by the way, and this is kind of a cool idea, um, because he's going to start talking about heaven. He's going to start talking about the second coming, about the redemption of the world, about, about eternity in heaven. Like, think about this a second. If eternity is an idea, forever and ever and ever and ever, um, then when we experience it, time will almost become meaningless, right? The, the, there are stars in our galaxy that are millions of years away by the speed of light. And in heaven's timing, you could go there and back again twice, and it would be a blink of an eye, right? Because if you have forever, it's just scratching the surface. I mean, 100 million is nothing compared to infinity. Um, and this is what we're looking forward to. And so Peter here, like, like he's talking about this time thing, and this is a big deal. But the reason he's talking about it is he's saying, listen, you've got to understand God's perspective is not our perspective. God's way is not our way. Um, the way God experiences and interacts with and creates and destroys, like it is different than us. And so the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some would understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. <clears throat> this has uh, been one of those weeks where I have backed up and wondered a few times, Lord, when are you coming back? Like, when, when are you going to come and reset this? When does death end? When does suffering end? When do we stop wondering? When do we stop... Um, waiting? When do we stop decaying? When does the creation stop falling apart? When does evil stop happening? Happening? When do evil people stop running the show? When, 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 when? And Peter's answer is, God is not slow. Instead, he's working with a purpose. Now, the phrase here, slow, is the same as we see in um, God is slow to anger, Right? And part of the idea here is that as God approaches the creation, he isn't rushing because he is slow to anger. He is not pouring out his wrath and recreating because he is patient. Um, God desires for the creation to be reset. God desires for things to be made right, but he desires for his people to be repentant as well. He desires for people to come to repentance, to come to know him, to, to, to come into his presence at the end of all things. Like God is moving slow because he's giving us an opportunity. You ever do that with your kids? All right, I need you to clean your room, right? And I, you need to do it now. And then you come back by a little later. Hey, this room cleaning ain't happening. Hey, you really need to work on this. And slowly the anger builds, right? But if you immediately jump right into the, 
heavy-handed thing like, like that's not slow to anger. God is patient. He desires for us to do the right thing. He desires for people to come to know him. He isn't jumping in and crushing all things yet. Um, God desires all things to be made right. Now, there's kind of an interesting little thing here. So some people will take this verse, and I'm going to touch on this briefly. This is just an aside, but it's an important aside if we're going to understand the text right. God does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It means that God's will is that all people would come to repentance, right? And this is a verse that sometimes people will pull out of context, and they will say, hey, look, God doesn't want everybody, like, God, God wants everyone to be saved, so everyone will be saved because God's will is irrefutable. And there's kind of different layers of God's will as we understand it. Like, a, as we read the scriptures, there's some instances where God desires things, but people don't, like, obey, Right? God desired for his people to be obedient. God desired for his people to listen to Jesus, and they didn't. God desired for people to listen to the prophets, but they didn't. Like, God has a desire at times that is not the same thing as uh, his will, which is irrefutable. Does that make sense? I, I want my children to go to bed on time. I can make them do it. But it's not the same thing as giving them an opportunity to do it. Um, this is kind of what's going on here. And a good example of this we see is in John 3.16, right? And a lot of times you hear this one verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Um, and so it's clear God has this desire that people would be saved. And we move on. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So God has this desire of repentance, but he puts it out there and we, we make this decision, right? I will believe in Christ. I won't believe in Christ. This is what I will do. Um, and, and so God's will um, is different than what God desires um, because there are times that God elects to do things that are contrary to his desire. And that's a frustrating idea. It's a difficult idea. We're not going to get into it too far. But long and short of it is God is being patient with us. God is not returning quickly because we have time to prepare. And that's a thing to be thankful for, right? Because if we woke up on November 1st and it was Christmas already, I wouldn't be ready. Anybody with me? Um, and that's one of the things, actually, as I was preparing for this, and I got permission to talk about him. I talked to Rose yesterday. One of the things that blew me away about Jeff, right? We, we all know Jeff. We all love Jeff. Like, Jeff has known he was dying for months. And, and, and he's known that the end was coming. Like, he's known that, that he has been on this time um, thing. And I remember sitting and talking to him at his uh, at the hospital uh, weeks ago when he was there for a stomach problem, if I remember right. And he showed me, oh, I have a DNR. Look, I have a DNR. I made this decision this morning. I'm not, I'm, you know, this is great. I'm like, dude, you're, <laughs> it's great? What are you talking about? That's, that's awful. I'm so sorry. He's like, what are you talking about? It, you know, don't be sorry. If I go, I don't want to come back. If I stand before Jesus, I don't want to come back here. He was a guy who had no fear of going to stand before Jesus, Right? It's an example of what our faith is supposed to be. We desire to get to Christmas. We celebrate that it's coming. We celebrate that the day will arrive. We celebrate that we will be in the presence of Christ. We celebrate that it's, it's coming. At the same time, Jeff didn't stop, right? I sat in, the hosp- or in hospice with him, and he gave me instructions for things he wanted me to fix, 
I didn't have the heart to tell him, I ain't fixing any of that stuff, buddy. Like, I wasn't there, but I think Terry listened to him explain to his wife how to crawl into the attic and install heat tape. And I, I, I wouldn't have told him if I was there, but like, dude, we're not installing heat tape. Like, Rose is not doing it. You know, she's like 70. She's not going in the attic. Like, like our liability insurance won't allow that. <laughs> like, there's no way. But his mindset was, these are the things that need to get done. He continued to read the scriptures. He continued to pray. He told me, actually, a few days before he died, he told me, I have to go and talk to this person because I need to go tell him about Jesus before I go. Because he wasn't ready just yet. He had stuff to finish. And as we look at what he's talking about here, what Peter's talking about, he's saying, listen, God is not slow. He's coming. He's doing it at his pace because he's giving us an opportunity. And that opportunity is be ready. Dude, we got work to do before we get there. We got, we got a whole dark world we need to put lights up in, right? Even if it seems like it's too early. We got songs to sing, even if it seems like it's too early. We have invitations to send out, even if it seems like it's too early. Because it might be tomorrow. It might be before I finish this sermon. I know some of you all are hoping that's the case. Um, (laughs) But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Will come like a thief. You know what that means? Ain't going to warn you. I was watching a, a video. This guy was talking about um, um, carrying a gun. I don't carry a gun. I'm probably never going to carry a gun. I just don't, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to. Um, but this guy's argument was he was arguing passionately. Hey, you need to do this because you don't know when. Right? You don't know when. And you have to be prepared all the time. I lock my house because I don't know when, but it could happen tomorrow. I exercise every day because I know my heart's going to stop, but I want to kick it down the road a little bit, right? Like, i got to prepare. In the same way, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. This is how Christ describes it, right? Over and over again. I'm coming back like a thief in the night. You will not expect it. Thieves do not announce. If a thief announced, you would stop them, right? <laughs> You would stop them. You would lock your doors. You would sit in the living room with a shotgun. You would probably put your stuff in a safe and nail the safe to the floor. You, you know, thieves don't announce it. Um, the reality is we won't know. He will come like a thief. Um, and the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire. This is a really, really, really difficult passage. And I probably read 50 pages of material on it. And I'm not going to bore you with all of it. Here's the problem. This is the only time in the scriptures where we're told that there will be like this great big fire that destroys the earth. Like it's just, it's really isolated, right? And the reason is, and here's going to be my read on it. And I talked about this last week. Um, Fire is oftentimes used in the scripture um, to signify purification, right? Like when Isaiah is in God's presence, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people with unclean lips. The angel grabs a coal from the fire and touches his his lips and it, it burns him clean, right? God's holiness is described as a consuming fire. And so when the heavens and the earth are destroyed by fire, Um, A lot of theologians will argue that this is a reference to the fact that things will be remade holy. They will be remade perfect. 
I had an iron skillet. Actually, I still own this iron skillet. And I got it, and it was disgusting. I bought it at a garage sale. And I, I talked to my in-laws, because they know everything, apparently. Um, I, <laughs> no, this is, I'm not being funny. This is the truth. I asked them, because I was like, oh, well, Vince will know what to do. And I was like, how do I clean this stupid thing? I tried washing it, and it just made all my towels black. What do I do? He's like, oh, well, build a campfire and throw it in it and come back tomorrow and get it. And then it's clean. And sure enough, you throw an iron skillet in the fire and it burns off all the, all the garbage, right? It burns off all the disgusting. It was, it was completely iron when I was done. And then I had to reseason it and everything else. But this is what will happen in the new creation. It will be scourged down and remade made pure and holy, laid bare. Um, that phrase, everything done in it will be laid bare. Actually, the, the nuance of that is it'll be put out there so God can see it on full display. He will have no doubt. He will see it. He will understand it. He will be fully, like fully know the creation. Um, he will know all things that have happened and all things that will happen. And he will make it pure. Here's the crux here. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Because, I mean, like, there's a book that came out maybe two years ago by a fellow named John Hagee who um, will answer to God for a lot. He wrote a book saying that God would come back last year because there will be four blood moons, which is a concept never mentioned in the scriptures at all, ever. Right, Like, all oh, the blood moons, Jesus is coming back, and then he made a gajillion dollars selling books about it. By the way, if somebody says Jesus is coming back next year, and they make like $10 million selling a book about it, and they put it in their bank account, they don't believe it. Y'all with me? Because the fact of the matter is, if Jesus is coming back next year, your money has very little use. Like, none at all. And I mean, the guy... But he, he said, this is happening, and people became fascinated. Oh, Jesus is coming back, and oh, look, this, this election means that Jesus is coming back. Oh, look, this war means Jesus is coming back. Oh, look, there he is. Oh, look, here he is, just like Jesus predicted, right? Um, but none of these jokers, none of these clowns is saying, and I'm trying to not be too crass in describing them, but it's, it's a thing that makes me angry. None of them is saying, what am I supposed to be doing as a result? And again... As I was doing Jeff's stuff this week, preparing to, to talk about my friend, the thing that came to mind over and over again was this is a guy who knew he had a day, and he didn't lay around and wait for it. He prepared himself as much as he could because he knew it was coming. He did all the work he could do here. He grew as much as he did, could here. He told people about Jesus. He, it was inspiring. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to prepare. We're supposed to be ready. If this is the truth, if the day is coming, we should be hanging lights and singing songs. But it's too far out. It doesn't make any sense. We should be hanging lights and singing songs. We're not actually going to start singing Christmas songs next week. Don't worry. <laughs> I suggested it, and Larry said I'd be kicked out of here before. <laughs> Before the first song ended, <laughs> you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming. That phrase, speed its coming, um, it was a popular concept amongst Jewish believers um, in that period of time between the return from the exile 
um, and uh, the coming of the Messiah and actually beyond, where they believed that they could get the Messiah to show up faster by doing certain things. In this case, I think what Peter is referring to is this idea that when the gospel is preached everywhere, when we've worked to establish his kingdom, when we have done the work that's required of us, that God is patiently waiting for us to finish, that Christ will return, right? So what do we do in the meantime? We do our work. We hang our lights. We buy our presents. We bake our cookies to beat the analogy to death. Um, We invite people to the family of God. We bring God's kingdom and his justice into the world around us. We serve people who are desperately in need of knowing Christ. We feed people who are desperately hungry. We feed them not just bread, but living bread. We grow ourselves in holiness and come to know him better. I have this analogy I use a lot. Um, There was this coffee place I used to go to. um, I don't remember the name of it anymore. It was an Elkhart, and once a year on the, on the anniversary of the day they opened, they would serve this coffee, Jamaican Blue Mountain. And it was the best coffee I've ever had in my entire life. It cost like $200 a pound. And they would serve, you could buy one cup, and it was like $5. You know, that one day every year. And I remember I would go, and I would eagerly like, put it on my calendar. And I'd sing songs about it, hang up lights and stuff way too early. Um, and then I would show up the day of, and I would sit there and I would take about a half an hour to drink that one cup of coffee because it was amazing. Now, if I were to take Terry Grant, who I love dearly, if I were to take Terry with me to try Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee with me, Terry would pour his International Delights vanilla cream in it, a ton of it, and then he'd throw eight scoops of sugar and some whipped cream. And I would drink it black, and we would both love it because it is the coffee that they serve in heaven. But I would enjoy it more. You know why? Because I've developed the ability to taste what really good coffee is. Whereas Terry drinks Kool-Aid that's masquerading as coffee. <laughs> no, it is true. He owns this. I'm not even like... Living a holy life, living a godly life, doing God's work prepares us to experience God in a way that's vital. It prepares us in a way where we know God more and we stand there before him and we're able to know him more. Um, When it talks about saving up treasures in heaven, like the idea that, oh, if I pile up gold in heaven, it'll be a really great thing. That's nonsense, right? Gold really has no value in heaven. The heaven... Like the real treasure of heaven is Christ himself. And if I know Christ intimately and I hunger for him and I thirst for him and I show up and he's there, wow. This life is about preparing for what's coming. And it's about doing the work that God has for us to do now. Are we waiting for Christ to come back? Yes, we are. But there's two kinds of waiting, right? There's the kind of waiting I usually do where I sit and stare at my phone mindlessly and wait for my turn at the DMV, right? There's the kind of waiting where I lay around and I wait for the kids to do what I need them to do. There's the kind of waiting where I complain because my wife isn't quite ready to go yet. (laughs) And then there's the kind of waiting where I wake up on November 1st while it's snowing and 3 o'clock in the morning and I get my lights up because Jesus is coming back. It's the kind of waiting that 
makes it so that you can't stand upright and you still hustle over to the church to make sure that stuff is getting fixed. This is Jeff, by the way, in case you all didn't know. It was... We're called to wait on his coming, but we're called to wait in such a way that we're prepared, that our work here is done, that our work on us is done. We stand in his presence hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so once it all is cleansed, once it's all made new and right, once every tear is wiped away, once every broken bone is mended, once every every messed up thing is fixed, we'll dwell in his presence forever. And this is the promised. It seems like it's slow in coming. It seems like it's taking forever. But I'm kind of grateful I have time to be ready. My challenge for you today is to be ready, to ask yourself, am I kicking it down the line because I know it's not going to happen anytime soon? Am I going to wake up the morning of and say, oh my gosh, I forgot to buy Christmas gifts for the kids? Am I going to wake up the morning of and say, oh my gosh, I forgot to get to know Jesus and now I've got to like, live with him forever? Or not? My challenge to you today is honestly to look at your life and say, if I knew I had a, had a time limit, what would I be doing today? This is the first Sunday of the month, and so it is a communion Sunday. I'm going to call my guys forward. We are doing something a little different. For the, this month and the coming months, we're going to be doing different kinds of